podcast fam, Kamal Latham is the author of Your CEO Potential, Realizing Your Calling, Equipping, and Outcomes in Christ Jesus. He is also the former CEO of the U.S. Virgin Islands Economic Development Authority and a 2020 Ebony Power 100 list honoree. His wife, Johnelle Latham, is an entrepreneur and the former CEO of an international business consulting company in Beijing, China. And today, they join us for episode 154 of the WHOA GNV podcast to help you discover your purpose in life. You are listening to WHOA podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. I'm your host, and today's episode, well, I was gonna say, I'm your host, Colin Austin. <laughs> Missed that part, that's my name. And today's episode is being brought to you by my friends over at the GNV Commercial Advisors at Collier's Gainesville. Gainesville is growing every day, and no one knows that better than the GNV Commercial Advisory Team at Collier's Gainesville. They help businesses and investors of all sizes buy, sell, lease, and manage their properties in North Central Florida. The GNV Commercial Advisory Team has the most local experience and expertise in town, plus the resources of a global firm to get your commercial real estate deal done, y'all. Ready to get started for your next commercial project? See what they can do for you at colliers.com slash Gainesville. Dan Drodos and team over there, thank you so much for your constant support. Absolutely appreciate it so very much. And I also want to give love to the UF Mover guys. If you need help moving your home or your business, please give our friends Brad and Jordan a call at UF Mover guys. These guys do it all. Full, full service packing, moving bulky items, disassembling furniture, and if you need storage, they've got your back there too. My favorite part of their service is that you don't have to pay anything up front. You pay once the move is completed and you are completely satisfied. These guys have over 600 Google reviews with a 4.9 star rating for a reason. Call them at 352-415-0886. Again, that's 352-415-0886 or visit their website at ufmoverguys.com. And remember, you can connect with all of our great sponsors at whoagnv.com slash sponsors. And you guys, I am so excited to get into today's episode. Today on the show, we have Kamal and Janelle Latham, a couple who have found their purpose in life, which is to inspire and challenge, which I know they will do today. You guys, welcome to our show. Thank you, thank, thank you, you, thank you. Happy to be here, Colin. Absolutely. Yes. So I, I, man, I've known Kamal, I uh, just recently gotten to know Johnelle, but I've gotten I've known Kamal for a while ever since you were at the Chamber of Commerce. Yes, yes, yes. And man, I've been just so excited that you're back in our area. You were just named the city manager for Alachua. Yes. So congratulations on thank that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. That is amazing. And uh, man, I'm just so glad that your leadership is back in this area. So, <laughs> and, and you brought your lovely wife, which I cannot wait to dive into y'all's story and to hear everything that's happened over the years. So, uh, so why don't we start with that? What's, what's your version of your story? <laughs> sure. Well, Janelle and I, we're both from New York City. Okay. And we met on the job. I was with one company and she was with another company. The two companies merged. We got to meet each other. And then we merged in marriage. Mm -hmm. 
And we are going on 20 years of marriage uh, this September. And so we are very happy, very excited. Life is good, marriage is good. And what we realize is that you need to know what your calling is in life. And there's a difference between what you're called to be versus what you're called to do. A lot of people spend so much time, myself included, spent so much time focused on what I was called to be during a certain season of my life, whether it's being a diplomat or working in the private sector or working in the public sector and not paying attention to what I am called to do, which is that thing that cuts across every season of your life. And so when we realized what our respective callings were, what I was called to do, what she was called to do, it really created a renewal in our marriage, created a new understanding standing within our household with our children and it helped professionally as well as personally it's about knowing your purpose why on earth or what on earth are you here for Mm -hmm. okay i have another part to that yeah (laughs) (laughs) i like to overage on that one mike well you know we started out, I, he left that part out, how our marriage was actually arranged. Oh no. <laughs> oh, what? Oh, no. Are you serious? We have an arranged marriage, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Please, share the details. Well, yes, he, he left out that part. We, we were totally platonic friends. Okay. And God moved on his heart to have him ask me to marry him. And he gave me a call and asked me to marry him. He actually read something that he wrote. And that's how we got married. So he basically, I laughed because I thought it was a joke. (laughs) And he told me it was for real. So I said, well, well, I didn't hear that. And uh, so he said, well, why don't you pray about it? I said, yes, I'll pray about it. Well, when will you get back to me? Well, in a couple of days, I'll get back to you. So in a couple of days, I got back to him and I told him yes. <laughs> All right. And that was that was about twenty years ago. So it was so I consider it arranged because it wasn't something that him and I were thinking about. And that I could see that over the twenty years of our life being together, everything has been arranged from every place we mm-hmm. lived, everything we have done, everything has been arranged by God. So. Yeah, so I mean, like, can you dive deeper into into the story aspect? Like, where did you, like, I mean, what even brought you to this area originally? We, we were living in China uh, after we had worked in the private sector. We got married and we then went overseas. I was with the U.S. government as a diplomat and we were dispatched to China. And so after our second tour, we were in Beijing, China. We were literally in a prayer meeting at a church at two different ends of the church. And this was in uh, June of 2011. We were just praying for guidance, praying for direction about where God wanted us to be in the future. And so after the prayer session, we got back, we were sitting down next to each other and she looked at me, she said, did you receive anything? And I said, I'm, I don't wanna say any anything. Well, no, I know you must have received something because you have been, you know, you're, you're praying and you're, you're not talking, so you must have received something. And I said, well, I received that we're supposed to leave China and come to Florida. She said, okay, well, I did receive something similar as well. I said, really, you did? And then a few days later, walking around a hotel room, and I know a lot of people find this probably real odd and hard to believe, but Gainesville just came to me. 
Gainesville just popped into my mind. And I said, Gainesville? Gainesville, honey, is there a Gainesville in Florida? She's like, I'm not sure. She lived in Georgia. I think there's a Gainesville, Georgia. Well, <laughs> let, let, let's, let's get there online is, right? and, 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 and Google it. And she's like, oh yeah, there is a Gainesville in Florida. Like, oh, okay, well, interesting. Well, that's apparently where God wants us to go. And that is literally our instruction that we I mean see. it literally popped in your mind and that's literally right here. literally like no plan no nothing like, we had no friends no here friends, no, no family. family no job we were in china in june 2011 and we were uh, we came back to the states and then by march of the next year we were in Gainesville, Florida. We had a consulting business, so we were able to uh, do that to meet our needs, but we didn't have any connections, any relationships here. Mm-hmm. Just came on direction. <laughs> okay, so like, what were, so what was your first step? I mean, once you got here, then what? I remember when I came off the plane at the airport and I stepped out and it was the fresh air and the sky said, ah, freedom. That's literally the first word that came to me when I stepped out and I smelled the air here. It was freedom. And I'm glad it wasn't, oh God, I'm like, why, why gain it? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that could have gone one of two ways. Like, right, well, right. we didn't know exactly the whys and the wherefores, and that's part of the whole dynamic, that you may not understand your entire story, because your story is still being written. Right. You, you understand your beginning, or you, you might. You understand kind of where you are that day, but you have, you have no idea about tomorrow, the day after, the year after, what have you. And so we just went on faith, and we just decided, to just move out and we literally we packed up the kids we had two small kids and we had a cat and uh we landed here in uh in Gainesville okay Mm -hmm. so once you were here like what were I mean I assume you how did you get connected to the chamber like what was like where did (laughs) yeah I mean how did you just start looking for jobs what did you start doing I don't know this is a real interesting story. I happened to be sitting at um, our uh, desk and I was just online and I was just looking up stuff and I just happened to see information about the Greater Gainesville Chamber online and I saw the people who were involved in it and then literally, Janelle came in the room and she had a magazine in her hand and it was Business in the Heart of Florida and it had a silhouette on the front cover and it was like you know do you do you know this person and she's like Kamal do you know this person I was like I don't know who is this person she said this is a guy named Mitch Glazer he's the <laughs> the, the chairman of the, the Gainesville chamber you know and mm-hmm. and you know he was they, they just profiled him I said oh interesting I have to be looking up the the, the the chamber on the internet so she happened to come in in the door at the time that was literally looking at it she had the magazine so well might as well just give them a call and see what happens I probably need to know these people so I called them, came over, met the CEO, and things worked well and made me an offer, and I joined the team over there. <laughs> <laughs> There's your shout-out, Mitch Glazer. I know. Yes. <laughs> you, know, you know he wants one. You know he wants one. Uh, Mitch, I love you, dude. Uh, all right, so, so you were at the chamber for how long? Because then you ended up leaving town again for a little while, right? Yes, yeah, so the chamber for about four years or so. And then I had an opportunity to go to the Caribbean, and I was uh, recruited to be the chief executive officer of the U.S. Virgin Islands Economic Development Authority. It was a wonderful assignment. Mm-hmm. It got hit by two hurricanes, Irma mm-hmm. and Maria, in 2017, and they were looking to rebuild. 
the economy. And so we had an opportunity to go down there and to contribute, help lay the groundwork for a 20-year economic vision to be developed for the territory and helping to make sure that there was a good amount of business and activity that was happening. It was a real interesting situation because with all of the uh, damage that was done with the hurricane, there were a lot of relief dollars that were coming in. And so a lot of the discussion was, okay, how can we best use relief dollars that are going to help the people? And it's always about the people. Always, always, always about the people. And then she and the kids came down, their plan is come for a visit. And then, okay, she said, I'm just going to be there for a month. And then after months, like, I like it down here. You know, <laughs> the Caribbean is nice, you know, down here. And so she didn't get back on the plane. And then we sold our house. You know, we had bought a home out in uh, Alachua. And we was like, okay, well, we're probably going to be down in the Caribbean, you know, for a while. And so then we pulled up stakes and went down to the Caribbean and with the children down there. We brought our dogs down there. And it was a great experience. Mm-hmm. It was. So you were there for how long? I was there for two years. Down okay. there for two years. And so now, I mean, did you go somewhere else after that? Because then... Or did you come back to Florida? I transitioned out of that position and there was an opportunity to join the uh, city of Alachua last year. And so I was able to avail myself of that um, opportunity and I had joined the team, the city of Alachua. So then we came back you know, to the area. And for us, it was like a homecoming because we had moved to the area in 2012. And then we had a lot of friends. Our kids had a lot of relationships. You know, they were in sports here and, and different co-ops for education. And so we, we, we sold ourselves into uh, the, the area, you know, if you will. And so when we came back, you know, it was like a homecoming, you know, for us, like a welcome back. Yeah, and and so and Janelle, mm-hmm. I know that you. Uh, I mean, like you were this form, says former CEO of an international bi- uh, business consulting company. Yes. in Beijing, right? Yes. I mean, so were you doing this like from other places in the world? No. Well, I opened it up there in Beijing, and okay. then when we left Beijing, we started doing it here when okay. we were in Florida. Okay. But it didn't work out so well because we weren't in China anymore. <laughs> Our business was wrapped around helping other businesses to do business in China. So it was kind of difficult trying to do that from Florida. So I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, why don't you guys talk to me about like where this, you know, drive to help people find their purpose in life like came from? Um, because I know like, I mean, this is, I've seen you guys speak many times and like, this is just something that I know you're extremely passionate about to the point mm-hmm. where like you wrote this book, right? Which, yes. which I'm like halfway through. I was trying to get through it. For, <laughs> like, so I, I had all the stuff to talk about tonight, but I'm like halfway through it. And, uh, but you know, Kamal wrote this book called Your CEO Potential, Realizing Your Calling, Equipping, and Outcomes in Christ Jesus. I mean, when did this like happen? And in this journey of all this traveling and stuff, when did you sit down and write this? It was when we were transitioning out of China, it just came into me, came to my spirit that I needed to really write about uh, an important lesson that I was learning. And that is, I was so focused on just trying to do well at a job, hit my KPIs, key performance indicators, get good evaluations, and then when we had our business, bringing in clients, trying to keep the revenue going. And I had 
racked up a fair amount of success on the world standards in a lot of the professional pursuits that I had. But I realized though I was successful, I was not fulfilled. And there's a difference between being successful and being fulfilled. And what I came to realize that there's a difference between what you're called to be and what you're called to do. Just to give an example, someone could be called to be a coach. That coach can win a lot of championships. They can bring their team to great heights, but they may break the team in the process. What a coach is supposed to be doing is inspiring or challenging the team that they're leading to reach those heights. So you could be called to be a coach for a certain season of your life, but what you're supposed to be doing in that season is either inspiring or challenging. So I started to think about it, I prayed about it, meditated on it, and I started to see from doing research in the Bible and reading scripture that there seemed to be a theme amongst a number of different people in the Bible that they understood what they were called to do as well as what they were called to be. And I said, ah, now I understand. And there was one thing that came to me was, what's the one word? I was having a conversation with God. And he said, what's the one word to describe you? I said, oh, I'm not sure. What is the one word? He said, inspire. I've called you to inspire people to have hope for a better tomorrow. I said, oh, see, that's what I've called you to do. So regardless of what you've been called to be during a certain season, whether you're called to be a diplomat or called to be working in the private sector or in the nonprofit sector or in the public sector, it doesn't make a difference what vertical season you're in, what vertical column that you're in. What are you supposed to be doing in each of those seasons? I believe everyone is gifted and talented. Everyone has been given a unique gift of a purpose of what they're supposed to do here on earth. And what you're supposed to do is the impact that you're leaving on people. We're not just meant to be a carbon footprint on this earth, but to leave a life imprint on people. And so what I'm called to do is to inspire people to have hope for a better tomorrow. So whatever I'm doing professionally, I need to make sure that I'm looking for a way to inspire someone. That's the impact I'm supposed to have in someone's life. So whether it's creating more economic opportunity or encouraging people to be better leaders, whatever it is that professional column that I am in, the result should be that people are being inspired. There's a per personal application as well, because I have to tell you, one of the most difficult questions I had was when Janelle asked me, what, who am I? Describe, who am I? I said, well, you're lovely, you're, you're kind, you're compassionate, you're wonderful. He said, yeah, 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 that's nice. I could describe a whole lot of people, who am I? Colin, I had such a hard time answering that question. And then the Lord revealed it to me one day. He said, your wife, she is a challenger. I called her to challenge. I said, oh, so I went to her in the kitchen. We were in Alatra. I said, honey, I know who you are. You're a challenger. And her eyes got big. I said, ah, yes, yes. And so what I realized that for a number of years when I thought she was just criticizing me, she was challenging me. So when she was trying to you know, push me to be able to go beyond whatever self-conceived self uh, limitations that I had, I interpreted it as criticism. But she was just challenging me. And I said, ah, I understand. Where I, what I was missing was that real heart of love. At the end of the day, it is about love. And that's the core principle in the Bible, in most faiths, almost every faith, 
It's about love. Do unto others as you would have others do unto you. So then when I realized that I was an inspirer and she is a challenger, you always hear, you know, opposites attract. It was a perfect mix. And then we found out our son is a builder. Our daughter is a comforter. That they're at least from looking at the Bible, at least nine different calling types of what you've been called to do. And then there's different people in the Bible that lined up with that. So then I understood her better. She understood me better. So not only was it a benefit professionally, but also personally, our marriage had a renewal in it because she understood how I'm thinking with certain things. I understood how she's thinking with certain things because I knew what her purpose was. Her purpose principally is to challenge. So I, I was able to understand She's not criticizing me. My wife loves me, and she's just challenging me. Mm -hmm. That's why it was very personal um, for us, and that's why we're so passionate about what God is doing with that book and what he brought forth out of Kamal, because just like everyone else, I mean, we're going on 20 years of marriage in September, and, you know, just like everyone else, you know, you get to that seven year mark, eight year mark in your marriage. And you know, you start looking at your partner and you start, you know, talking about all the things that you were expecting to happen and how you expect them to treat you and how they, how you expect things to be. And none of it is what you expected, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Um, And so I did the same thing. You know, my life wasn't, I mean, I, I had a, you know, by anyone's standards, I had a great life, you know, traveling the world and stuff like that. But I didn't feel like that I had a career. Everything was about Kamal. So anything that I did, it was it it felt like it became second to his. So everywhere we went, it was like I had to pack up and reimagine what I'm going to do at the next stop, whereas his was planned mm. by the State Department. So that that was that that was a big deal. And then the children came and then it became my responsibility to, you know, oversee the children and stuff like that. And then when we decided to homeschool, then that became, you know, something else. So I I started to feel lost in the marriage Mm -hmm. and not understanding what my purpose was and not understanding what his purpose was became confusion in the marriage. And it became what I considered lack in a marriage because I had expectations. You know, I this was my best friend. Him and I were best friends for four years before we got married. We never dated. We never dated. <laughs> we never dated. We were best friends and I just gave her a call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we weren't even in love. We loved each other, but we weren't in love when we got married. So, all of that, you know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's working. I don't we, know. We learned. <laughs> no judgment from me. I'm like, oh, it's working. But, you know, so I'm expecting my best friend to look after me, but he's looking after his career and looking after everyone else to me on the outside, where I think his expectations were okay, well, Johnelle has it at home. Well, John L. didn't want to just have it at home by myself, <laughs> you know. So with when I found out that I was a challenger, it helped me to even understand my personality, you know, why? Because sometimes I would, 
not understanding I was a challenger, I would say things to people or people would say things to me and I would automatically go into that fix-it mode Mm. and trying to challenge them to think a different way when they weren't ready to think a different way. And I didn't understand that I was being a challenger. I just thought that was my personality. So I started trying to be different because obviously a lot of people don't want to be challenged. You know, I certainly was one of them. He I was had one of such them. a hard time with that. <laughs> I said, "Oh, honey, you, you get, you're getting on me now. Mm-hmm. You're getting on me." But then I realized that's what I needed. Yes, that's what I needed. I said, "Okay, this is the wisdom of God here," mm-hmm. because you know it was just really painful for my flesh, but it was good for mm-hmm. my soul. Because as an inspirer, you run the risk of being up in the clouds too much. Yeah. Yes, and the challenger helps bring you down to earth. Go ahead, yes. honey, I'm sorry. No, that's okay. That, that, uh, well, that so was, was perfect. So I was I mean, it sounds like once you figured this all out, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like this big revelation. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna ask probably the obvious. Like, when do you figure it out? I'm sure there's so many people out there that are still like trying, like they're asking themselves all the time, like, what's my purpose? Mm-hmm. What am I being called to do? Mm-hmm. Like how like how do they figure it out? How do they know? One of the greatest pieces of wisdom is knock and the door shall be opened. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. When we started seeking understanding, we found it. Because it was something that we started to think about and okay, what's what's going on here? Something needs to change. And for us, we just started getting into the Word of God, started reading the Bible and just just read it word for word from front to back and it just opened up our eyes because we were able to just have a different spirit a different mentality we said we really want to change we really want to be different it was a multi-year process because just getting the revelation of kind of where you are or where you need to be is the beginning yes and then you got to walk down that road Mm -hmm. and a lot of people don't want to walk down the road it's not comfortable Mm -hmm. at all but you've got to know you got to keep going and one of the basic things is just love Mm -hmm. love 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 when you love yourself love your neighbor you get clarity on so many things and we didn't realize there's just so much selfishness i was operating in in abundance i was overflowing with selfishness it was just terrible and she was able to help me see the error of my ways and i said okay things have to be different and it was a process it was a journey but Mm -hmm. having the focus on love do unto others as you would have others do unto you treat Mm -hmm. others the way you want to be treated and we realize there is a better way and it's the way of love yeah but I was I was operating in selfishness as well with all the expectations of him and my happiness coming from him and through him and stuff like that and that's the first thing that I would share with anyone is when you're in a relationship cut out the expectations you know you have to you cannot and when it was made clear to me How do I expect him to love me or to make me happy when I'm not even making myself happy first? And that's where it is, because no matter, you know, and I said this to the kids, you I can't give you happiness because it's not tangible. You have to have it in you, even if you try to receive it from me. 
you still won't be happy unless it's already in you. So whether or not I'm trying to make, if I'm trying to give you happiness or not, if you have it in you, you are going to be happy. So as a, a wife, that's what God kept saying to me before he even said to me about being a challenger, was I needed to learn about love. And I didn't understand it at the time because I thought that I was a person who was full of love. But then when I actually started to understand what love was, I was like, okay, I'm not operating that way. You know, and when I began to operate that way, that's when I was fulfilled. And that's when I took on my purpose. And then it was like, oh, okay, God, now what? What are we going to do here? So now it was the attention was taken off of Kamal. And everything was about God and I. So even if Kamal didn't change and remained selfish, I was still okay. Because of the fact that God, I had that love inside of me, and it starts with love. You cannot do anything with first beginning with love. You can't. And there's no selfishness in love, and love That's is right. not selfish. Love does not seek its own. Mm-hmm. It does not seek its own. Selfishness is deception. pure deception love is always the best way so we've decided that what we're going to do is to live our lives to be love and to be light yes bottom line we wake up in the morning and our focus needs to be how can we shine today Mm -hmm. shine the light of goodness Mm -hmm. so does it bother you when you know somebody doesn't like you no No. not anymore I used to No, we used to get under the skin big time, but now we realize we are not defined by Mm -hmm. someone else's view or image of us. Mm -hmm. That's not our definition. Knowing your identity is so critical, it's so vital. Mm -hmm. You have to be the thermostat, not the thermometer. You're not supposed to just read the temperature in the room. You should be setting the temperature Mm. in the room. That's the difference, and that's not meant to be prideful or arrogant at all. It's just being confident in who you are. And when you are a person, I'm going to make a stand in love. I am not going to take account of a suffered wrong. I am not going to be touchy. I'm not going to be fretful. I'm not going to, you know, get all worked up and, you know, get flustered. You know, I will be focused on making sure that I'm keeping a positive disposition, positive thoughts, positive words, positive deeds. You guys, yes. th- there has to be somebody that you just can't stand. <laughs> no. no, there's like no like that first that one person is like really annoying or like com- completely to. different values. Like you mm-hmm. don't agree with them on any subject matter. There's like, a lot of people we don't agree with. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess but, that's my, I guess that's where my question is. Yeah. Like, how do you love somebody that? Uh, I guess that's not the right way to phrase it. Like, not that you can't stand, but but like that you just are polar opposites, polar opposites on values and everything. It's real simple. It's understanding. You have to even if someone is considered your enemy. You've got to love your enemies. 
Mm-hmm. Period. That doesn't mean you don't have a position. It doesn't mean you don't take a stand. It doesn't mean that you don't have convictions. It doesn't mean that you don't have a certain way that you are viewing things and you may have a different view than someone else does. But when you allow someone else's perspective to define you, then you are giving power and control over yourself to someone else. And that's not what it's about. That is a recipe for a lot of negative emotions mm-hmm. and for a lot of unhappiness and not being fulfilled. How can you fulfill your purpose in life when you are just being a ping pong or you know, just bouncing back and forth between one person's opinion of you or of the world? It just doesn't work. You'll get worn out, worn out, like a microfiber rag that you use to clean your scooters. You would completely will be worn out. That's not what life is about. Everyone has a light in them. Everyone has a purpose in them to fulfill. The question is, are you going to walk your path or let someone else define it for you? So what ways have you guys been able to um, really uh you know, approach the the conflict, the people who are different to, to where you like have that mindset of coming in with love. I think, I just think it's like way easier said than done. <laughs> I look at the world of social media and I look at all these, you know, political conversations that are happening. And I mean, man, like I, we call it, uh, you know, like online courage. There's like this mm-hmm. element of not being face to face and really just hashing at each other. Right, and I see that all the time, and and so I'm just like really curious, like what things have you guys done as leaders to like really uh, establish that mindset of of like like I I love this person, like I'm coming at I'm coming at you know with, mm-hmm. at this conversation with with love because I just think it sounds it sounds just way easier said than actually done. Mm-hmm. Well, when you have the mentality, I need to do unto others and have others do unto me. No one person knows everything. Everyone has made a mistake or multiple mistakes. It's not about if you've made a mistake or not made a mistake. So someone could be saying something or doing something that you know is just wrong or it's Mm -hmm. off. And you know, they are just not where they're supposed to be. But at some point you are probably there at some point Mm -hmm. in your life. It's about showing some grace, showing some mercy, knowing that Everyone is going to be held accountable for for what they do at the end of the day, some way, shape, or form. Some people may have a long day before that occurs. Some people may have a short day before that occurs. But when you truly look at the fact that I am here on earth, not for myself, I am here to have a positive impact on other people's lives. How can you actually operate to have a positive impact on other people's lives if you can't stand people? or you can't stand what what certain people say. It's not about that. It's about understanding that if someone is not aware or knowledgeable about something because they've said something that seems to be off or wrong, that's not the time to turn against the person. That's the time to say, okay, what can I do maybe to help be helpful, help open their eyes? Maybe they're not aware of something. And you know what? You can share something with someone and they said, you know, I just don't agree and, you know, get away from me. And you just wipe the dust off your shoes and you pick up and you keep on going because it's all about you being Uh, a messenger of love and you being a light, the light of goodness, 
that is what draws people. That is what helps to, 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 to convict hearts and to change minds. And yes, some people may go through certain things on that quest, but it's about understanding where is the source of your happiness? Where is the source of your fulfillment? It has to be when you focus on that issue of love and being a person of light. You can't get fulfillment, real fulfillment in your soul by trying to tear someone else down. You don't make your light brighter by trying to put someone else's out. For sure. Yeah. Now I have a different perspective on that from Kamal. I mean, Kamal, because how God made him, he's an inspirer. So it's easy for him to go into that space than for me to go into that space. Um, I struggled with it for a very long time. Um, I'm a very emotional person, so um, I generally would like everyone that I meet, but if you rub me, as I used to say, if you rub me the wrong way, then you got a different person. Um, I'm not that person anymore, and what I have to do and what I have to continually do is just the same thing as a lot of leaders had to do with affirmations every morning. I have to be intentional about li- what I'm listening to, what um, what I'm engaging with, you know, conversations and I'm engaging, um, what I'm watching as far as movies. Um, that's something else that we do in our household. When we feel certain kind of way, when, you know, the energy doesn't feel right in the household, everything stops. The TV goes off, the computers go off, everything stops so we're very intentional about that kind of stuff we don't watch horror movies we don't um there's certain other movies if it gets too sensual we don't engage in those movies we you know our family is just that way um we do a lot of what we call uh, mind fasting which is, like I said, the TV goes off and stuff like that. Um, And then we watch certain things, like Dan Moeller is somebody that we watch quite often and he talks about love. He's on YouTube, he has like 2,500 different um, series on YouTube, but we listen to that on a consistent basis. I even do it with my children. When I'm watching them and I'm seeing them starting to bicker I will turn on YouTube and put Dan Mola on. I don't make them sit there and watch it, but because it's 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 running in the house, the spirit changes in the house. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they start changing and they start treating each other better. And then after a while they'll end up, you know, watching Dan Moeller sitting in front of the TV and watching it and saw, oh Ma, did you hear he said so and so and so? You know, so I think with certain people, with Kamal is, is, is easier, just like probably a lot of people who are called to inspire. But then when you have other people in other personalities, you have to be very intentional about what you're doing. You have to, you can't, as we say, you can't straddle that fence. You can't watch the horror movies. You can't sit there and, and play the video games that you're shooting up people. And then you turn around and say, oh, I love everybody. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't work. I mean, we're human. So whatever we put ourselves in front of or what we give our ear to, eventually that's where we're going to gravitate towards. 
So, um, f- so for us, he already does it. He doesn't really watch movies and stuff like that. I like to watch movies. The kids like to watch movies. So we have to, we have to make sure what we're watching is, is good for our spirit. Otherwise, it gets turned off. You Music, same eat. thing. Yeah, I was about to say, it's like you're, you're feeding your mind, right? Exactly, exactly. Kamal, in your book, you, there's, you posed a question, and it said, you do, who do you see when you look into the mirror? Said, so do you see a success or failure? What you see is what you will have. Change the view of yourself if it, is not, if it does not line up with the word of God. God said through his word that you are blessed and favored. And it kind of makes me think a lot of like kind of what you were saying with like the affirmation standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot, I mean, you know, I, I get inspired when I see the videos of like these dads having their like kids mm-hmm. in front of the mirror and say, I, you know, they have like the little three-year-old standing yes. on the counter, like yes. I am powerful, mm-hmm. I am strong, mm-hmm. I'm gonna have a great day today. Like, yes. like I, I love that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but you know, it's like, I've also been in those moments where like it, it's, it's been the opposite, right? Like I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, you know, mm-hmm. man, like, like what's, what's happening? Like, what's happening? Like what, a, mm-hmm. what, a, you know, and I, I very much posing these questions to like, you know, what is, like, what is my purpose? Like, mm-hmm. God, what, like, what are you doing right now? And actually I even brought this up in the last episode. I'm like, like look at myself in the mirror, like what, God, what are you doing right now? What, why am I, why am I still in this scooter dealership? What, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. posing those questions and not really seeing, and not really knowing the answer right here, right in the second, but knowing that it's gonna play out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, is, isn't changing that viewpoint of yourself, if you're looking in the mirror and you have this mindset, and like, I totally don't have this mindset, I'm very much one of these people who's like, wants to crush life <laughs> mm-hmm. and do it and do it with the spirit of love and help as many people as I can. I, I actually feel like one of my, uh, my problems is probably, uh, and I said this in the last episode as well, is not being patient enough mm-hmm. um, because I'm, I'm one of these go, 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 go. I'm like, all right, like, like God, like, let's go. Like, let's do this. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you want me to do today? Like, why am I still in this scooter? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, let's go, you know? And, mm-hmm. and so I'm ready to move. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm being like, I feel like I'm, it's like, it's not your time, mm-hmm. chill out, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, right? Nice. So, but for those people, like I know that there's people who are looking in that mirror and they're just like, man, like they see, they see failure, you know? They mm-hmm. see, um, they, don't, they don't see anything of worth. Like, and, and, and even, like I don't wanna like go and politicize this too much, but like we, we start to hear these words of like having a victim mentality. And you know what I mean? Like, uh, like, what does somebody do to to get out of that that mindset of you know I'm a, a feeling like they're not of worth or that they can't do it or that they're a victim of their circumstances? You know, what do they have to do to to get to that point where they're looking in the mirror and they're saying, mm-hmm. No, like I I am a value, I am a success. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Mm-hmm. It's really simple from my standpoint. You got to know what you're called to do. And everyone is called to love. Yes. Everyone is called to love. And when you just make a decision that I'm called to love, I'm going to become love. The old old phrase, if you want friends, be friendly. Mm -hmm. If you want to receive love, give out love. love. You will reap what you sow. 
It's an old principle that's been around since the beginning of time. Mm -hmm. You sow and you reap. Farmers know that, business people know that, investors know that, sowing and reaping. You sow love and you look at yourself in the mirror and say, I am here to love. I'm on earth to love, to love myself and to love other people. When you just have that mind frame of love, and that is a principle that's universal throughout the world. You go look at different faiths, different cultures, different creeds, that principle of do unto others, you have others do unto you. And that whole dynamic of love, it makes things really clear, regardless of what you believe. Everyone has different beliefs. And if you choose not to believe something, that is a belief, you know, unto itself. Mm -hmm. Regardless of what contour you are, whether you're of a faith or not of a faith, the principle of love is universal. It is part and parcel of our humanity. Mm -hmm. And that is one thing that we see the opposite so much of in the world is hate. And when we have that attitude of love, that is the best thing to get up to get us out of the doldrums, to be able to get out of a lot of the negative emotions that just so hold people down. People are in are imprisoned, if you will, emotionally, chained, if you will, emotionally. And for a lot of people, those emotional um, bandages and chains are so heavy that it just drives people to not make good decisions. Mm -hmm. So then what do you do? You look at yourself in the mirror and say, because I have breath in my body, I am worth something. I'm here for a reason. I am not an accident. It doesn't make a difference where you were born or to whom you were born to. If you're here on this earth, there is a purpose. You have a gift. You have a talent. There's a reason for the breath of life in your lungs. There's a purpose. Just have the dynamic of, I'm called to love. I may not know anything else. I have no education, no background. I don't believe any faith, creed, nothing. But love is something that every human heart knows. It speaks to every human heart. Everyone can stop and say, I'm called to love. I need to love myself and to love people. And that will always lead you in a good place. That doesn't mean that the road will be soft and smooth and a bed of roses and everything is a nice cool breeze on a hot summer day. No, it, it may be a challenging road. It may be bumpy. It may be lumpy. And you may even take a few licks because of the hand that life has dealt you. But in order to even go through that and come out on the other side or to handle whatever is going to come as a result of it, you need to have that that love, that attitude of love, that no matter what happens, I am gonna do good. I am here to love people and I will love myself. Yes. And I actually, I heard a very wise person say that the troubles in this world isn't, you know, racism or cultural or any, anything like that. It's the lack of love. And I believe totally since now I'm in that space, you know, and I, I once wasn't, that I can definitely see that if, if we loved ourselves, then we'll be able to love others. But 
it would have been hard for someone to just walk up to me and tell me that I didn't love myself. But you have to trust the process. If these negative things are going on in your universe, in your environment, then it has to do with you because you're attracting it. And I totally believe that because it was me. I was attracting it. Hmm. So when you are, when you find, when you fall in love with you, then that's when you'll attract other things in your environment. Those things will start coming to you. And the folks who are negative and the folks who don't mean you any good, they'll start to leave because they don't op- they can't operate in that space. They can't operate with that energy. And that's what it's really about. And I, I say this to anybody because you know, I was a person I like to hold on to all of these sentimental things. I, I wouldn't consider myself a hoarder, um, but I did have a lot of things. And one day God said to me, declutter your house. Take the pictures off the wall. Have some space, you know, because your eyes, if your eyes keep seeing things in every spot of your home, then it doesn't give you time to have an idea, to think, to wonder, to dream, because you're just seeing all these different things. Not to mention, it takes longer to clean and keep up. So anything that, and that's what I, I, I hold into my, in my mind, that anything that I purchase, there's a maintenance involved in it. So when I go shopping, looking for something, that's the first thing that I say to myself. Am I willing to put the time into maintaining this thing? Because I have to clean it or dust it or whatever the case is. And if I'm not willing, if it's not enough for me to do that, then it's not coming home with me. I don't care what it looks like. So I would say to anyone, declutter your house. Make your house feel fresh and clean. And then you'll see the noise that's in your head that keeps telling you that you can't do this or you're not good enough or no one loves you. Oh, sorry. And all of these different things. Once you clear your home, your mind clears. It <laughs> truly does. That works, right? <laughs> it truly does. And once you can do that, then trust the process. There's so many th- books and things on the internet that you can start the process. And just like Kamal just said, if you have breath in your body right now, you have a purpose, you have a gift, and your purpose is not to just sit there and do nothing. You're not a failure. No one is a failure. There is no such thing as a failure. That's, that's a myth. You're not a failure. What happens is, is that we deceive ourselves into thinking that we're failures. So then we hold ourselves there at that spot. But you can't be a failure if you can come out of it. And we all can come out of it. So then where is this, where is this whole idea of failure at? It's in our minds. And our minds tell us that we're failing because we have these expectations of ourselves. We have these expectations of other people. We have these expectations of life, expectations of government, expectations of our neighbors, all of these expectations. But it really should start with you. Hmm. It really should start with you. And once you just deal with you and just say, forget about everyone else, 
if I'm alone on this on this earth by myself, what would I do? I can't expect anything from anyone. There's no one here. So then what do you do? Just crawl up and die? Some people will probably say yes. Hmm. But then what was your purpose? You know, and I say this to the children all the time. Daddy and I made your body. But your personality, your spirit didn't come from us. That was created separately. We can't create your spirit. And no sperm and egg can come together and create someone, a thinking being, (laughs) you know? It creates the body, it creates the shell. But we're inside that shell. So what happens with that shell from the time it was born? Who told you, like I heard someone say, you know, you don't have to teach a baby to be angry, but you have to teach a baby to be, have manners. <laughs> you know, you have to teach a child to have manners, but you don't have to teach a child to be unruly. It, mm. The child just is unruly all by themselves. You know, so where is that coming from? These are the things, these are the questions that I started asking myself. Why is it so hard to love, but it's easy to hate? Why is it so hard to be, you know, be respectful, but it's very easy to be, you know, disrespectful? Why is it so easy to do the negative, but it's very hard to do the positive? It's coming from somewhere, and it's not from us. It's a spirit. You know, and as soon as we realize that, I think people will realize just how much we're dealing in that whole puppetry, you know. And there are certain movies that I believe that it doesn't mention God, but there's so much spiritual aspect behind it. And I'll, and I'll just put it out there, Matrix. Matrix was one of those movies that I said to myself, yeah, there's the red pill and there's the blue pill. So one of those pills takes you out of fantasy land and the other one keeps you in there thinking that you're operating, but someone else is actually controlling you. It's the same way. There is, we we have become puppets and the puppetry is, oh, this person said this and it was no good. So now we are reacting to it. So now that fills that energy and then here comes someone else and then the energy keeps flowing and flowing and flowing. But what happens if that person came in with bad energy and then you put your love on top of that? I guarantee you it's not going anywhere. That bad energy is, is gonna be dissolved. Mm-hmm. And that's where to me, we, that's where I came to grips at. You know, I got put into a situation that unnerved me you know I've never been treated well I have when I was younger but I hadn't been treated like that in a very very long time so when I got put into that situation I didn't act the way I should have acted and I realized later I said if I loved that person through it it would have been a whole different outcome a whole different outcome so that's what I I, and I didn't love myself So I could not put that love out there for someone else. So that's what I would tell anyone. Start with yourself. Don't look to your spouse. 
Don't look to your friend. Don't look to your mother, your father. Forget about all of the things that people have done. I've had plenty of things happen to me over my over my time. But just think about you. Think, get with you. Declutter your house so your mind will be decluttered. And then once you do that, then find something that resonates with you, that speaks to you, a book, music, whatever it is that helps you to get into that space with yourself, that you're able to see yourself more than, able to see yourself being able to love others even if they're not lovely to you. You know, and that's that's where I had to go again. You know, some people, (laughs) you know, it's it's, it's easier. But for me, it was a process. And I and that's what I had to do. I had to I had to leave him alone, you know, and I only did what I needed to do for the kids. But even with them, I told them, mommy needs some space. I need time. And when I go behind that door and it closes, unless there's a complete emergency, leave me because I need that time you know I went into the car I would you know after dinner I would go into the car and spend an hour or two sometimes I talked to the Lord sometimes I spoke to myself you know or sometimes I sat there and listened to music sometimes I read it just it all depends on a person but you have to get in that space because if you keep allowing someone else to press that button or to get on on that one little nerve, which is what I used to say, you're never going to be happy. And I guarantee you, you can take that person out and you can, because Kamal and I were in that space. Oh, what about if somebody else come along? I'm sure I can get someone else to love me the way I did. And what about if they did? Then they'll be dealing with you, which you were dealing with someone else because you still don't have that love. So I say, let's all spread love, you know, not have expectations, forget about color, forget about all of these things, and let's just love each other. That's what we were created to do. Amen. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, like, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's awesome. Let me, but we got, it's amazing how fast an hour goes by. (laughs) Um, Like, before we wrap this up though, I wanna, I wanna circle back to your called to be versus called to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like, does it even matter what you're called to be? I mean, it sounds like the, per- like the main is like, the, the biggest thing here is like really discovering what that purpose is and what you're called to do, right? Yes, that to me is the most important thing of what you're called to do because that is what you carry or should carry into whatever season that you have. What you're called to be is something that's temporary. It, it's not cradle, excuse me, it's not cradle to grave. Even if you might, might be in a position that could be for 40 years, you weren't born into that position. You, you became something mm-hmm. and then, even if it went to the end of your life, it, you didn't come out the womb with that position, so to speak. But what you're called to do, that to me is the native gift and talent that you were given and you came out with that gift. Mm -hmm. My wife is called to challenge. So regardless of whether she is in her role as being a wife, 
a business owner, a mother, a friend, regardless of whatever that that season, that assignment, whatever she's called to be for that particular point in time, when she knows that her default is to challenge and mm-hmm. to challenge people in love, she realizes that she's not just going to be successful, but being successful and fulfilled. I was so focused on, okay, I'm called to be a diplomat in this point in my life, or called to be a this, or called to be a that, and I'm just want to make sure I, you know, hit my my KPIs and I get the good. You're so zeroed in on those right, things, right? Yes, because that's was. you know you're you're taught mm-hmm. about being successful and right. you get the awards and this and that, and there's nothing wrong with that. That is good, but when you are so focused on that. You'll be, you could be very successful, but you could be bankrupt Mm -hmm. in your soul and not fulfilled. And we know money can't buy happiness. Well, having a lot of accomplishments doesn't buy fulfillment either. So then we start to realize, and I start to realize the things that I have the most um, excitement about, the things that fulfilled me the most in those different seasons of my life is when I was in a position to inspire. And that can happen in a number of different ways professionally. And then I realized the impact that it had personally. So you gotta know what you're called to do. Makes life sweeter. Okay, mm-hmm. and so you said there were nine types. At least nine different calling types. There may be more, but there are at least nine different okay, so types. So can you run through them? Um, there is the comforter, and that's someone who brings peace. And then there's a deliverer, and that is someone who brings freedom. There's a conqueror, that is someone that brings victory. There's a watchman, that's someone who brings warning. There's the inspirer, that's the person that brings hope. There is the challenger, that's the person that brings growth. There's a builder, that's the person who brings security. And there's a worshiper, that's someone who brings holiness, reverence. And then there's a sower, someone who brings revelation, who brings understanding. And I believe everyone has a primary principle calling type, and you may have a secondary and a tertiary, and I believe the calling type of that that one main thing that you are to be doing, that's the impact that you are to have on someone's life, and how do you know what you've been called to do? What do people say about you on your best day? You are flowing and everything is working right. I mean, you're just, you're just in it. What do people say about you? Do they say, wow, Colin inspired me or he, ch- he challenged me or wow, I just got all this great revelation because what Colin said, you know, he just planted the seed and boom, bow, here it is. I got this understanding. You know what I'm saying? Or he said something that comforted me. I mean, I just came in so down and he said something that just comforted me. You know, I felt so defeated. Colin said something. And you know, I feel like I'm, I'm a conqueror now. I mean, he made me feel like, yes, he charging me up. Let's go and take the hill. What are people saying about you when you're having your best day? Or what do people say about you when they have interacted with your best work? Mm-hmm. You can, let me give you an example. You can look at a painting by some of the greatest painters, uh, you know, Rembrandt, Van Gogh, and you can you can feel something when you're looking at the painting, it, it makes you feel a certain way. You could be inspired or challenged or have have a, this, this, this understanding of things because you're looking at a painting. Those people are long dead. They are gone. So what they've been called to be, a painter, at that 
that's what they've been called to be during their life, that calling ended the day they died. But what they're called to do could have been to inspire through their work. That is how you know what you've been called to do because it will transcend your life. Even if you take that last breath, whatever you've been called to do, if you float in it, and everyone has been called to have an impact, they've been equipped to succeed and be fulfilled, and they can have great outcomes. If you're operating what I call your CEO potential, you're calling, equipping in your outcomes, then you're gonna have that impact on someone's life. And that will main, that will remain even after you have moved on. And that is a thing to, that gets me excited because I'm looking that my impact should outlive me. If it's not going to outlive me, then I was living for myself and not living for others or living at the expense of others. And that's not the way to live. The way to live is love, L-O-V-E, the best four letter word in the English language. Mm-hmm. So good. <laughs> so <come on. laughs> I'm all inspired now. Well, good, <laughs> good, good. Uh, you know, so I, so I would say I believe that I'm an inspirer as well. Um, I believe so too. I, I think I've heard you speak. I, yeah. So like, when I speak, and that's like what what makes me think of that is like very often when I like speak at you know UF in front of a room, you know, of students, I'll get like a whole bunch of LinkedIn messages right after. You know, it's just mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Like, can I sit down with you and dive more into this or that? You know, it's mm-hmm. like, and, and I love that. I can tell like, it, and I you get those like, oh, you inspired me so much. You inspired me so much. And I've had even people on the show that are like, hey, I took action to like start my own business because of like the time that you came into my classroom and spoke. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yes. what, you started a business because yes. I came in, you know, like yeah. that kind right. of stuff, which, right. is, which is great. So here's my here's my final question for you, okay? With, I mean, b- being an inspire, is there an audience or have you ever had, uh, is there a group of people that you have difficulty inspiring? And this is why I ask, <laughs> because I tell, it, it, it's ironic to me. I, I find that when I do step in front of that, I step on stage, I step in a classroom, and like a group full of strangers, like I can inspire this entire room. And then it's like, man, like I feel like where I ha- where I have a challenge inspiring is with my own family, yes, <laughs> or mm-hmm. my own team here. It's like, I don't know if it's just like because they're so used to me, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, this is like, yeah, yeah, Colin, whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if it's like one of those mentalities, mm-hmm. but like, is I mean, I guess my question is, is that normal? <laughs> yes, it's very normal. It is, it is very normal, <laughs> and one of the things I've had the most challenge with is inspiring people who are in my most immediate inner mm-hmm. circle. Okay. And that's just a dynamic of human nature. You know, people get to know you and they get familiar with you and they, they know what you did before, you know, what mm-hmm. you said before, okay. how you might have acted. They said, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not really impressed with you, you know. I know you. <laughs> like, you know, all right, I, I all right. I've heard past. this speech a few times. Exactly. Okay, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like one of those things. Exactly. exactly. But mm-hmm. it's not about, you know, Okay, how many people can I inspire? It's one, I need to make sure I'm inspiring myself, you know, mm-hmm. because you, you, my wife, Janelle, needs to make sure she's challenging herself mm-hmm. because whatever you're putting out, you, not, you need to be able to receive it yourself. How do you yes. inspire yourself? Well, with me, I do a fair amount of meditation and I just close off things and I just mm-hmm. sit and I do a lot of praying. 
and I just commune you know, with the Lord. Because for me, that enables me to get my cup filled up. And I love reading the Bible. It just encourages me, it challenges me, it builds me up. And so that's, you have to be able to fill your cup. Other people can get filled in different ways. So what, at least at the minimum, you gotta take some time to yourself. You have, even if it's just 10 minutes intentionally each day, that you're just gonna stop and you're gonna breathe. Just gonna breathe in and breathe out. And say, okay, I just wanna sit and think and just reflect. Go out and smell the air. Or just look at, I mean, you have everything on social media and everything on the internet. You can look at places and have the same type of feeling in a sense without even being there. Mm-hmm. So there's certain ways that you can just take that time to yourself and fill up your cup. It's hard to give what you do not have. Mm. That's right. Have love and then you can give it out so freely. It's awesome, man. What a great way to wrap it up. Yes. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on to the show today. Why don't you, I mean, where where can our audience connect with you? Where could they buy, like, where can they buy your book? You know, what's, where should they go? Well, you can go to KamalLatham.com. That's K-A-M-A-L-L-A-T-H-A-M.com. And the book is there. The book is also offered on Amazon. You can get a hard copy. You can get a, a... paperback you can get um the kindle is the kindle version yes the kindle version is there as well um and or you can go to the website and actually order a a pdf of the book and if you are having a hard time trying to find maybe you weren't in that space that people can tell you on your best days you know what you did for them then i would definitely say read the book because in there you'll be able to identify with with certain certain characteristics of the people in from the nine crawling types and you'll be able to kind of see where you are you know you may have more than one and that's fine because again this is a process it's not something that you're just going to automatically jump into um, but once you once you get there, then you'll then when you start, you know, getting with yourself, um, praying, you know, asking and seeking, you know, earnestly, you'll get to find out, and it'll it'll shape out exactly where you are and what your purpose is. And I could tell you from experience, it's it's mind blowing, and it's more than what anybody could do for you is is that part when you actually understand and learn why you are here and i encourage parents to definitely do that with your teenagers um because just like ours no different you know than every other teenager feeling a little lost when they get to a certain age and feeling a little anxious about what the future holds and and not knowing or understanding or even having a confidence to feel like they can actually operate as an adult or what they're supposed to do. Once our teens found out what their purpose was, it's been a game changer mm-hmm. for them completely. So I would encourage you know, um, parents to actually, if you don't do it for yourself, do it for your teens. There you go. Mm-hmm. Everybody, I would encourage you, like, drop me a message. I wanna know which one of the nine types you are. 
uh, it would be it would be cool to kind of mm-hmm. say, oh, I'm like I'm an inspire, I'm a conqueror. I'd love I would love right. to hear from our audience on some of this. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, you guys, thanks again so much for coming. Yes, thank you. It was a pleasure yes. having thank you. Thank you. Um, and many thanks to my right hand man over here, James Leitner, for producing this and making me look so good and making them. I mean, they already look good, but they, they don't need much help. But the great lighting, great camera action, great mm-hmm. editing. Thanks so much, James. And uh, podcast fam, if you were driving and didn't have a chance to write down the information from our sponsors, remember that you can find it at whoagnv.com slash sponsors. We have links to all of their websites and that great stuff. Definitely support our sponsors. They're the ones that make this happen and allow me to bring really great discussions like this one. So please support them. And special love this episode to our friends at Gainesville Harley-Davidson. Ride free and worry free with Gainesville Harley-Davidson's Warranty Forever program. A lifetime powertrain warranty at no cost to you. Covers your motorcycle's engine, transmission, and drive assemblies for life. No cost, no deductibles, no hooks, catches, or gimmicks. Warranty forever at Gainesville Harley-Davidson. Go to GainesvilleHarley.com to learn more. I always joke around and say, man, when you're ready to upgrade from that scooter to a motorcycle, definitely go over to my friends at Gainesville Harley. And and when you do, make sure you say, I heard you on the WHOA GNV podcast. The podcast bring you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. Whoa. We will see you later. Bye. Bye. All right. (laughs) 